Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So we expected a lot of players to end up on the COVID list. Um, I mean, we talked about that the past couple episodes. It's been happening with the Red Wings. I will say, I didn't think I would be joining that list, at least not so soon. (laughs) Probably something I could have done without personally, but here I am. I Well, I appreciate your attempts to give it to me on Sunday. um. (laughs) Thankfully, I did not end up on the list. (laughs) Oh, you have no idea how how little i would have been okay with that obviously i don't want to make my friend sick you have two kids who i care about a million times more than you i would have been devastated but just giving you something to lord over me would have simply ended our friendship i would not have been able to live within that dynamic not interested in that i'm very happy you're okay not because i care about you as a person but for selfish reasons i just can't be in that kind of debt to you (laughs) well all joking aside uh Totally fine. I'm okay. Just have a little bit of a throat tickle. One of those things where, uh, I mean, we got together with some friends for a a little Christmas thing and we all took rapid tests before going into the house because we wanted to be safe and, uh, yeah, it didn't really, didn't really matter in the end. And so, uh, but yeah, Mel and I are doing fine. Um, the only real big consequence from this is that I uh, gave Brad about five minutes of a scare and uh, we have to record this episode remotely. So uh, welcome to this uh, holiday edition. Oh, go ahead, Brad. I forgot. I can't believe I forgot to tell you the funniest part about when you called me too. It wasn't just that you gave me that bad news. It was, it's that I was sitting in an enclosed room with 12 other people when you called me and told me. <laughs> and it's just like, and we're throwing the mask back on. <laughs> 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 I'm, like, I'm like i didn't want to say anything because like i didn't say much to you when you was on the phone because i kind of i would have normally made a bigger deal out of it but i'm like i could cause a little bit of panic right now and i probably shouldn't <laughs> evans you can see on evans face he's happy right now he's back at home we're back to doing a remote podcast That's he's exactly living what i wanted this is <laughs> my christmas gift i've been waiting for evans the one who inoculated me i'm sure he had an well, test tube waiting for this day um welcome to this holiday edition of the winged wheel podcast the last episode we have before we take a week off we'll be back with you on the 29th uh but in the meantime merry christmas happy holidays uh i hope everyone is safe and well and if anyone is uh in the unfortunate boat that uh, i'm in i hope uh you uh, get through it okay and uh, it's as easy a time as i'm having Really, the only thing that has changed about me is um, I have an insatiable urge to punch Brad in the face, but apparently that was there before, so I guess not too much has changed. You know, for uh, all these co- for all these comments, I'm just throwing it out there. You know, like, I'm going to take another rapid test um, Friday morning before I have any, like, Christmas Eve gatherings or anything like that, just to be mm-hmm. on the, like, double safe side. But if that one comes back positive, don't think I'm not letting you forget for the rest of our lives that you forgot my birthday and ruined Christmas. Why do you have to bring up the birthday thing, man? <laughs> it's just not right. If you were a good friend, you would let that go. I can't believe this guy. Hey, you're the one trying to ruin Christmas now. Uh, on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, how the rest of the sports world, specifically the Red Wings and the NHL, um, is handling um, this with a capital T. Uh 
very obviously everything has shut down as well. Uh, we're going to be talking about what that means moving forward. We're going to be talking about the official news with the Olympics. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the World Juniors and maybe we'll spend some time reviewing where the Red Wings are at. Um, before we get into all that, of course, want to talk to everyone about the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Uh, the more we talk about substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer Ken Daniels and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels Goldman. They strive to end the stigma of substance use disorder and, and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. You might notice, uh, for those watching on YouTube, we're, we didn't have all the festive things. I mean, the studio's all decked out for Christmas and, and the holidays. Um, and I kind of ruined that for us, but we still did get festive for this episode. We're all wearing our, uh, holiday sweaters. Mine is, uh, Believe in the Iser Plan. Brad's is Retire 91. And Evan's is sitting in, um, actually the Believe in the Iser Plan is supposed to be Evan. So Evan just has a normal holiday sweater on. But for mine and Brad's, uh, if you're into them, they're from uh, Panayotis, which is run by uh, Peter uh, Andrianopoulos on Twitter, panayotes.com, P-A-N-A-Y-I-O-T-E-E-S. He has a ton of great uh, Detroit Red Wings-themed uh, gear on there. So these Christmas sweaters were an easy, awesome addition for us. So thank you, uh, Peter, for hooking us up. Okay, uh, the Detroit Red Wings. We opened last episode by saying we're happy we at least saw a win before things shut down. And that went from like a half joke to a not joke at all because that was actually what happened. The Red Wings played a game. It was a good game. They won. And that is the last that we saw of the Red Wings until after uh, the Christmas break. So the earliest we'll see the Red Wings back is uh, December 27th against the Rangers, I believe it is. So not unexpected. I think I'm just a little bit surprised that they ended up making the move to make it the whole league all at once because it, it happened kind of piecework. Yeah, it was weird because the Red Wings had few more guys go on the list, which don't think anybody was surprised by. I think it was only a few hours after that. That's when the Red Wings as a team got shut down. And then it was the next day. The whole league got shut down, but the whole league didn't get shut down immediately. There were still games that night and the following night, which was even more confusing. It feels like they only canceled like five games or something like that, um, but it was a bit of a reset. So I feel like the 27th is still a moving and open target in a perfect world. Sure. Great. I'll believe it when I see it um, might be the Grand Rapids Griffins at that point, uh, but I don't think anything that happened was even a little unexpected. Yeah, no. The um, On the 19th, the Red Wings placed Gagne, Suter, Valeno, and assistant video coach Jeff Weintraub on the COVID protocol. The team then got shut down, like Brad said. And it was at first a few teams. And as a testament to how fast things moved, it was a few teams. And yeah, within, I don't know, a day, whatever it was, it was the rest of the league. We, we talked about this before. If you're going to take a break and try to reel things in because things were out of control, I think the holiday break is a natural point. Fewer games around that time on Christmas Day especially, so you're not canceling as much. Um, and then this went hand in hand with um, the, the announcement that came after, which was to nobody's surprise, the Olympics, uh, the players not going. I know some players were bummed out, but it was a foregone conclusion. So no Olympics. Um, 
a small pause in games now in the NHL is going to try to reschedule whatever they can that was supposed to happen now in that Olympic window in February. So I don't know. I think I agree with you though, Brad. I'd be surprised if the 27th is the return slash if this is the end of all uh, postponements for, for the season. I, I really have a hard time thinking that that's going to happen this quickly. It's the world we live in. It. I, I know I talked about it last week. It's, it seems like everybody's just living day by day now, even though it's becoming painfully obvious this is not going away for a while. So there needs to be a, I don't even know what to call it, more of a plan. Is that the right word? I feel like it's the right word. I understand what you mean. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the, the structure around this and the approach to this is not, it's no longer applicable. And I think it's easy to ream on the NHL. And I think the NHL deserves a lot of blame in a lot of different situations, maybe even somewhat this one. But we've all been subject to this. The circumstances have changed rapidly. We just talked about how it went from the, only the Red Wings being shut down to the entire league being shut down. Like that happened in a matter of hours. So things change so quickly and, and the conditions in which people are working change so quickly. Yeah, I, I think the approach to the entire thing is going to need a big reset. It's just logistically a hard thing to do, right? Like we're talking about a relatively small amount of games compared to the bubble that we have to reset here. Uh, and I know the teams are going to have somewhat of a hard time fitting it into the, the Olympic window. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do in terms of, uh, rescheduling in that window, but I don't know how much they could really handle without extending the season. If they have to go beyond the 27th, if that makes sense. Well, I know they said they're going to try. I got to assume they're fairly confident they can make up a lot of games in that window. Because I know I was reading a few things uh, that were saying, hey, it's a great idea to make up the games in that window in theory. But a lot of these venues have a ton of shit booked, like concerts and other performances and other sports and other stuff like that. Because, you know, it's the end of the world. All these companies need to make money. So having the building sitting unbooked, empty for three weeks didn't make sense to anybody. I assume there's not, they're not booked seven days a week or else the NHL wouldn't have even said that, but we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping that it doesn't extend the season any more than it has to. So if they can make up a majority of these games in that window, perfect. Because um, let's be honest, I'm not waking up at 6 a.m. to watch third string players play in the Olympics unless it's like a gold medal game. So I'm, I'm good with the evening hockey kicking around. Yeah, we'll get into the Olympics in a second. Um, cause I have a lot of feelings on that too. And it does suck. Like, I think it was an obvious decision, but it does suck. We'll chat about that. So like we said, the Red Wings are currently on break, so to speak until the 27th. If that game is delayed and then it's the 29th against the Islanders, both of those games are away in New York. So, um, that's the same trip really. And if that's delayed, then you have the 31st New Year's Eve against the Capitals. And if that's delayed, then you have the second against Boston. So we'll see how long this thing extends. Um, if it does at all, I don't know. I'll be impressed. I know the NHL wants to cancel as few games as possible. So I don't miss this, right? I, I didn't miss a lack of hockey. I think it was very nice of the league to shut down at the same time that the podcast was taking a break. I think that's very considerate. That's the first time they've matched up their, their timing with us. I just hope it doesn't go too much beyond that. Of course, health and safety of the players being, being paramount. Um, not great. 
we're going to have to go, unless they reschedule the Winter Olympics, we're going to have to go a dozen years between seeing NHLers at the Olympics. Who would have thought that 2014 would have been the last time that we've seen the NHLers at the Olympics for a while? It's it's a tough calculation. Like you think about it, you're like, no, 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 that can't be right. But if they don't cancel these Winter Olympics and they just jump into like they do it with the non-professional players on short notice and then in 2026 is the next time we see them it's a dozen years that's a lot of good players who aren't going to be able to play that's a lot of you know Crosby and McDavid that's a lot of like Austin Matthews and Jack Eichel at this time like it's it's shitty it sucks this is why the NHL needs to host a more a more regular world cup and do it properly without like evan referred to a few episodes ago without the blackjack and hookers just make it a true best on best tournament i understand and i think i agree i would like them to offset it i don't want them to do it in lieu of and that's what kind of gary bettman and the nhl have talked about a lot no one wants to compete for the revenue and they want the NHL is not stupid. They know if they start theirs, it's going to be kind of a second rate thing compared to the Olympics. People are going to say, oh, you know, um, Sweden won the World Cup, but the, the States won the Olympics and that's the bigger prize. The NHL doesn't want that. They keep trying to book over the Olympics and that's what they've constantly talked about. But let's be real. You don't have to talk to any more than a handful of players or a handful of fans to know what Olympic hockey means to people and to players. Um there has to be some kind of compromise here, but yeah, I don't think we should have to wait this long for best on best. I would like to have it every two years to have some kind of tournament like that. What if they did it in such a way, like how I'll say, I'll call it soccer just for the sake of convenience. What if they did it something like how soccer does it, where the Olympics are under 23, that would still be rather interesting. And a lot of countries under 23 players are almost always available. Um, and then every two years, every two years you've got the Olympics. Then two years you do your own World Cup of hockey. So it's just like soccer. How they have the World Cup and then the Olympics every two years. I wouldn't be against that. I'm never against more hockey, but unlike in soccer, Canada, uh, Canada hockey already has the World Juniors. That's a really big deal. So we, we're kind of getting a yearly event along those lines not quite with the 23 thresholds but i feel like the nhl gets in the way of themselves like we we joked about it a couple episodes ago about team some of europe versus team young of north america and like it, it doesn't give the tournament like a legitimate feel even though it might help the competitive balance well it definitely did help the competitive balance but someone brought up the point today which i thought was great because Best on best hockey will always be treated as best on best hockey when kept simple because he was using Canada as the reference. But what are the three biggest goals in Canadian hockey history? Henderson, 72, Crosby, Golden Goal, Gretzky, uh, Gretzky to Lemieux in 87. Only one of those was an Olympic goal. So you can definitely, if done properly, give the world cup a lot of legitimacy there'll be a lot of big moments for a lot of countries the nhl can collect the revenue from it which is even better because let's be honest i don't think anybody here is in in a huge rush to give the ioc more money and um 
you know, there, there's a world here where because they've missed a couple Olympics in a row and it is going to be kind of for younger hockey fans out of sight, out of mind. Um, this could be the triumphant return of a proper world cup, which then the NHL can control. And there's not these like tedious narratives around, should we go? Shouldn't we go? The owners wouldn't like this. It's an insurance risk. It breaks up the season. Okay. Well, you do it in September every four years. The owners are collecting revenue from it. So yeah, our players are at risk of injury, but whatever, at least I'm getting paid. You'd be amazed how much that would ease their minds. And it's at the beginning of the season, so it doesn't harm the schedule. And because it's at the beginning of the season, if there are any injuries, you know, star players could be back for playoffs. Like, don't get me wrong. I love watching Olympic hockey and I'm bummed that we don't get to watch it this year and the best on best. But I don't, I'm not in the camp of the Olympics is the be all end all. If the NHLers never went to the Olympics ever again, but every four years there was a legitimate good production of a world cup. I'm just as happy. I understand what you're saying. I just think it'll be a long time before any kind of creation of the NHLs is going to carry enough weight. It'll have to be in concert between the NHL and the IIHF. And not only that, it's going to have to carry the amount of, I don't know, impact that the Olympics have globally outside of the overt corruption of the International Olympic Committee and just like the disgusting practice of like setting up Olympics and what that means for host cities and things like that. All these like venues that end up going empty in a lot of the countries that host afterwards. Everyone knows about the Olympics on this planet and most people watch them. It is broadcasted everywhere at all times. Anyone who's who's had a TV during the Olympics, winter or summer, knows that every channel at all times has the Olympics on. And that means something for hockey. It makes it a truly global stage. And I think that's the only time ever that hockey has that stage. That's not the only reason behind its prestige, but you you couple the societal and social and cultural impact of the Olympics – as an idea, not, you know, the IOC I have a lot of qualms with them. You, you couple that cultural impact and then obviously the best on best and it just naturally created because of the format. That's, I don't want to say irreplaceable. It's going to be very hard to mimic the NHL and the IIHF, but enough heads as is or butt heads enough as is. It's going to take a lot, a lot, a lot of consistent work and probably half a generation before it holds that prestige again in my mind. I don't know. I, I, I understand what you're saying. And I understand there's a little bit of like uh, recency bias because from 2002 to 2014, we had Olympics. Um, sorry, from before that as well. Um, but we've had Olympics for more or less all of the 2000s up until 2014. Um, still, it's going to be tough. And I don't have a lot of faith that the NHL is going to be able to do it without there being another Nope, we want all the money or uh, the double IHF not agreeing with something or some hockey federation not agreeing with something. I would prefer them just be able to see, make the Olympics work and just do something as an offset. I mean, the obvious solution here is why not both? But uh, that is the perfect world. But I understand they're two different sports, two different demographics, two different markets. But uh, soccer, 
nailed it. Nobody gives a crap about the Olympics for soccer. The World Cup is everything. And the and they have the Euros on top of that, right? So now that took decades and decades and decades to build up. So I'm not saying the NHL is going to replicate that even close. But yeah, other than it, it, other than Beyblade, soccer is the biggest sport on the planet. So yeah, exactly. But wow, didn't even it, get a it, chuckle out of Evan. Pissed off, buddy. <laughs> Thought it was the holidays. It's just a sport that proved that that model can work uh, because they've been doing it for so long with such consistency and they don't screw around with it. Like they screw around with who hosts it and stuff like that. But in terms of, hey, you got to qualify. We're running qualifiers for the four years in between. You got to earn your spot there. We know the top countries are going to dominate. But hey, you know, like even look at Canada right now. Canada's first place of their qualifying group. And we haven't made the Olympics since like uh, the World Cup since like 86. And after their last game against Mexico there, it was the biggest story in Canada for like a week. Like, so the smaller countries still get into it, even though they know they're going to get absolutely waxed when the tournament starts. It's just getting there is an accomplishment. So again, not saying hockey, soccer, I'm talking like this is a minuscule version of that. All I'm pointing out is the model is out there that proves it can work. So if the IOC... Like, let's call a spade a spade. (laughs) There's a lot of global turmoil. There's a lot of political problems. There's God knows how long this pandemic is going to last. God knows when the next pandemic is going to be. The Olympics is always going to be tricky. You know how many people just flinched when you said that? (laughs) I know. I know. I know. But it's, it's a reality. So at least for the NHL, it's then, it then becomes a controllable. Even in a pandemic-filled world, you could probably have a, a bubble tournament with no fans, but you're making enough money off ad revenues and stuff like that, that it's still worth it. But when the IOC's in charge, yeah, there's other restrictions. And not that this was the IOC's fault at all. I know I'm dumping on the IOC. Like, it's a pandemic. Nobody could do anything. Nobody's at fault here. But I'm just saying going forward in an uncertain world, yeah, it helps to have some certainty. Okay, here's my recommendations regarding protocol, the Olympics, everything. Evan is installed as the decisions czar, and he's only allowed to make decisions past his bedtime because no one wants to get shit done cleanly and concisely and just put it away in a drawer more than Evan when he is one minute past his bedtime. I've never seen a more decisive, quick-moving man in my life. A lot of stuff gets done at 10.31 p.m. If there's anything outstanding, he is on it and he is yelling at you about it. How I am like 23 hours out of the day with you guys, that role flips. And the moment we're past Evan's bedtime, he just (laughs) – everything is run by him because he needs to go home and get in his damn bed. That is 100% accurate. I can't deny that. Okay. Um Obviously, it's kind of annoying to have to keep talking doom and gloom and you know, what's going to happen with the pandemic and are we going to have a season and et cetera, et cetera. And we don't like it any more than you guys do. So we'll try to keep it light and really chat about it only when there's more substantial conversation to be had. But here we are, another shutdown. Um, we'll see if the 27th comes to fruition. Uh, I'm going to take this chance now to 
tell everyone uh, that this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, they're a sponsor that gives hockey fans what we really need, even more excitement. There's so many reasons why they're America's number one sportsbook. Uh, they're simple to use. There's tons uh, of fun and unique bet types. And when you win, you get your winnings safely back in as little as 24 hours. Uh, there is a big range of options, player props, futures, whatever bet you're looking for. FanDuel has all of them. Uh, live betting and multi-game parlays as well. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win your first bet. No strings attached. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you get the grand back in site credit. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with the risk-free bet uh, and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel Podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online first online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. All right, guys, uh, let's talk about the Detroit Red Wings and where they are right now. So I know we've had those conversations a couple of time, times. Probably in, in bed. <laughs> you think so? No one's really doing anything right now. I mean, they all have like they all have the Rona. What else do you do? Uh, you tell us. What are you doing when you're not recording a podcast? You're probably just laying around, right? Sitting on the couch, shit posting. Yeah, there you go. When my family asks how I'm doing, I send them the picture of that monkey who's on like life support. <laughs> Pray for mode. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I'm not a. I'm not funny or nice to be around, but that's just me normally. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty melodramatic when I'm sick. Like just if I have a cold or anything, like I just milk it for all it's worth. And Mel's only way of living through that is just by rolling her eyes forever. Um, but I'm trying to rein that in this time. The Detroit Red Wings currently sitting with 33 points in 31 games, a 532 points percentage. And if you go by points percentage and playoff spots, yes, they technically hold the second wildcard spot right now, but by points percentage, uh, they are one spot out. So they are right behind Boston. Boston has a 577 points percentage. Detroit has 532. So we're past that arbitrary date of like, where are they at at Thanksgiving? Where are they at at Thanksgiving plus two weeks? Like Detroit is very much here. Their home away split is hysterical. 11-3-2 at home and 4-10-1 away. So, ah. But this is a team that has put together wins. It's won games where it wasn't the better team, which is a big difference between this season and in the past. And they still don't have Jacob Verana. So, what to make of this? Because anyone who says the Red Wings could challenge for a playoff spot is officially hashtag not crazy in my mind. No, yeah, they're definitely not crazy. My opinion on that synopsis I gave a few weeks ago really hasn't changed. This is 75% a bad team. But the other 25% aren't just guys who can keep up with the better players in the league. They are the better players in the league. They are in that conversation. Bertuzzi, Larkin, Raymond is in the conversation for a top five line in the NHL right now. Mo Sider, forget Calder, he might get a couple fifth place Norris votes this year. 
Alex Nedeljkovic is an above-average league goaltender, which is no small feat, especially in, I guess, what can be considered his first full season. So what the home road split tells me is when Blashill can deploy his big guns as he wants, they win. They are good enough that they can dominate the other teams and do enough to mask the deficiencies on the team and win. When he can't get the matchups he wants, the rest of the team gets absolutely shelled. So the home road split, though comical, (laughs) makes perfect sense. It's on the extreme end, but it makes perfect sense. So is this team a playoff contender? Probably not going to make it, but yeah, they're going to hang around. Um, If they get to the playoffs, are they going to make any noise? Absolutely not. Is this team probably a year, at most two years away from being a legitimate playoff team year in, year out? Yeah, I think we can say they're there now because we're at the point where this team's not going to get worse every offseason. There's going to be additions by subtraction. There won't be a Danny DeKaiser next year. Um, Thomas Grice will probably be replaced, hopefully with an upgrade as the backup because he's, let's call spade a spade, but not great this year. The whole left side of the defense needs to be reworked, and I have full confidence that Iserman can do better than Mark Stahl and Danny DeKaiser. Um, you'll probably have you know Jonathan Bergen for a year. Maybe Edmondson pushes for a spot. It's, it's still mostly a bad team, and people can't lose sight of that, but the whole reason to be excited is because the the building blocks of a perennial playoff team are there and thriving. We'll chat about it in a second, but um, if you look back at the Tampa Bay Lightning teams of old before they really started, you know, winning multiple cups or were in their window firmly, they had a ton of players at the World Juniors. The Red Wings had the second most players at the World Juniors and knowing who ran both of those teams, it, it's easy to get excited and I think people are, are right to do it. But I agree, Brad, like the Red Wings, this Red Wings core with you know, no injuries or absences up front, or this Red Wings core with more consistent scoring depth, or this Red Wings core with a left side on the defense. You change any one of those things, and I think they are firmly in a wild card spot. Maybe not a divisional seed. You change two of those things, they're challenging for a divisional seed in my mind. Again, all of this can be attributed to two main things. That is turning the Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond lotteries into lottery wins by all rights up until this point. Um, and second, they're important players finding a way to regain form this season to access what winning brings this team and use it to elevate their game. And that's just a coded way of saying Larkin and Bertuzzi are thriving. Um, that said, the only way I think the Red Wings aren't in this conversation is if they tank. If they absolutely tank they don't come out of this, whatever COVID protocols and league shutdowns look like afterwards. If they don't come out of this looking like a one, um, or sorry, if they, if they come out of this, like looking pretty rough and they kind of get beat up by those absences, then yeah, I can see the playoff picture fading away quickly, or maybe a trade happens, right? Like, you know, Eisenman's going to want to maybe take another crack at the top of the one more draft before the team moves firmly outside of that possibility that that could happen too. But 
if they keep rocking it at home and they're at least just below average on the road and then they get Verona back <laughs> for better or worse that's a team looking at possibly a first round berth it, it honestly could come down to how Boston plays in the end or something like that who have five games in hand yeah the the I thought for a second Detroit was going to lose their league lead in games played but then they shut down the rest of the league so thank you Gary Bettman for preserving Detroit's very important stat there it's likely not going to happen, but, and the whole team getting the Rona really does throw a wrench into this because obviously the quiet part nobody's saying out loud is none of the top, uh, two thirds of the top line haven't gotten it yet, which right it's almost beneficial for the guys who are like, obviously you don't wish anybody to have it, but if you're going to have it, it might as well be over the shutdown. So those guys are that are on the list now are going to probably come back and be fine for the rest of the season in all likelihood, uh, you know, knock on wood, assuming they don't have any long hauler symptoms. But if Raymond or Larkin or Cider get it middle of the playoff race, yeah, this team's torched. They are going to fall out of the playoff race in two weeks. Like that's just. Yeah, like I said, that's the reality of this team. That we we've seen what happens. The games Bertuzzi isn't there. They are not built to sub- sustain any significant losses to their top five players. But if they can stay in the race in the immediate aftermath of this shutdown, it is critically important for the future development of this team that they at least stay in the race for a good long while. For Lucas Raymond. And Mo Sider and Philip Zadina to play meaningful games because they haven't yet. They need to play a full season of meaningful hockey. And as the season goes on, the games get even more impactful and even more important. So to be in those games and to understand how the intensity gets uh, turned up a notch and, you know, how the game changes when teams really lock it down, it is important for them to play that hockey. Like, ignoring the emotional standpoint which is obviously important the game changes and you know for a player like Mo Sider I would argue it changes for the better that's going to play more into his style for a guy like Lucas Raymond yeah he's going to have a few more hurdles to overcome that he hasn't had to face yet this year which you know the great players adapt and overcome that and the earlier you can learn what you have to adapt to and overcome the better for your whole career so so far, this is about as good of a season as we could have hoped. I, I mean, damn, this is damn near the perfect season we could have hoped for. Raymond and Sider are legitimate stars, and Delkovich looks like he could be the guy. Almost all of the key prospects who are in the system are playing extremely well. Um, and they're playing meaningful games while still being in a position to probably get a pretty good draft pick, even if that is in the early to mid teens, that's still going to be a pretty good player. So yeah, as long as this uh, window gets through, this is looking like damn near best case scenario so far. Another bonus to this, and it's something that we've um, talked about in the past, Moritz Sider and Lucas Raymond, who are playing in their first full, hopefully <laughs> 82 game NHL hockey seasons, um, get pretty key breaks this break over the holidays is huge, especially because I think a couple times now, Cider or um, Raymond has been nursing an injury. Cider, just by virtue of taking 1,000 pucks to the knee and being a colossus, 
is probably nursing a couple minor things. Every NHL player at this point is nursing something. So having that opportunity to reset is good. And knowing some games will be rescheduled, but not a ton in um, over the Olympic break, that is another chance, again, for these players to reset. Yes, as hockey fans, we're bummed that we don't get to see more at Cider for Team Germany. And uh, it wasn't looking too likely because of the rules, but maybe even Lucas Raymond for Team Sweden. Yeah, that sucks. You would love to have seen them go out there and rep their countries, but they're still young. They'll have opportunities in the future. For the rookie seasons, this really lends well for them to lends well for them to be able to extend to a full 82 and, and play a full season and maybe even keep up this performance all year. Because if they drop off three quarters of the way through, I will not at all be shocked because that's pretty normal for rookies. Um, that kind of endurance only comes from overtime yeah i mean for sure like none of them have come anywhere close to playing 82 games in a single season let alone at the highest level possible so i mean the break sucks for fans and any teams that had positive momentum um but in terms of a team that isn't loaded top to bottom it's probably a good break like gives your good guys a break gives your rookies a break just lets everybody do a quick little mental recess, get a little reset, get a little refreshed. Um, it's only what, like five more days and then they're going to come back allegedly. Yeah. Um, so five days off as of a couple days ago, like it's, it's, it's not a huge thing, but in terms of another three or four months, you know, those weeks help. Uh, I think I think this is also an opportunity and I might just be hopeful and I definitely drink the Kool-Aid and, and stay on things way too long. But I, it might be a good opportunity for someone like Zadina to reset too, right? It was looking pretty dire there. It's a guy who's playing well but couldn't put the puck in the net, which adds up to not great in his mind. So, Ryan, Ryan stop, stop. Y- your Twitter mentions cannot handle keeping any praise on Zadina you go out and seek it you sicko I never want to hear you come into my house and say you're tired again when I saw you actively do that one evening I was like oh god this guy has more energy than I ever would do you know how much fun that was like I'm not I'm not saying I recommend not at all uh trolling the masses but I don't not recommend that not at all but I I am saying like I do think it's a good chance for those players who are looking for a little bit of a break and a little bit of a mental reset, it's a good time for them to do it. Sometimes they need to step away, stop gripping the stick, do other stuff, just focus on training, rehabbing, doing whatever. It's going to feel like a fresh start. It's going to feel like coming back after holiday break at school. It's going to feel like coming back after the summer. So I don't know. I'm not saying it's guaranteed to happen. I'm just saying it's an opportunity. I'm just trying to draw all the positives out of the very crummy situation of we don't get hockey for maybe even longer than just five days. I hope it's just five, but you know, it was supposed to be two weeks at the start. <laughs> the cough and that laugh, I think was a nice. Yeah. Answer. what We are in week 105 of the March, 2022 week shutdown. Yeah. Just about almost there. Um, okay. You've had like three kids since that started. Just about. At least I'm going to be dropping a couple off at your door soon. Please. No please no just let me know when you have your first negative test i got a basket for you actually uh evan will take one and i'll take one we'll split it nope i'm good evan if you had to take care of mika or actually no i dibs hank mika's too smart 
Catherine um, would like Mika. Yeah. Let them hang out. Uh, okay. Imagine Kat and Mika teaming up on Evan all day, every day. Oh, I would be the end of them. The first thing I would do is go to the hardware store and put a lock on my office door. Mika absolutely knows that. It's adorable you think that's going to solve anything. That's step one of my uh, my security system. You ever seen a <laughs> child-sized hole in your door? <laughs> she will they, run through that like the queen. They would do it. Um, speaking of kids, the World Juniors. Uh, the Red Wings have the second most players as of right now. I think there's still some cuts to happen. Uh, potentially going to the World Juniors. There, Carolina has ten, and then the Red Wings have eight, which is massive. And like I said before, that's pretty indicative of a team with a good farm system. So, the obvious ones. Well, we all know who they are, but the obvious ones are Simon Edvinson, um, for Sweden, Theodore Niederbach out of Sweden, uh, Red Savage for the States, Carter Mazer for the States, Sebastian Kosa for Canada, Donovan Sabrango for Canada, Emil Vero for Finland, and Jan Bednash and uh, goal for Czechia. Have you seen that where they, they've requested to be referred to as Czechia rather than the Czech Republic? Yes, and I'll respect it and I'll acknowledge it, but it's it sounds weird. Yeah, my whole life it's been well, no, not actually my whole life because before it was not the Czech Republic, but it's been Czech Republic for a long time. But Czechia, anyhow, um, that's like Sebastian Kosa. That is a Red Wings first round pick who is going to be pivotal, pivotal to their future. Important to watch. Simon Edvinson. If Simon Edvinson does three quarters of what Mo Sider did last season and this season. Um, and is able to come over and play for the Red Wings next year, that is going to be a massive push for this team. And we're talking about playoff spots. So he's going to be important to watch. Niederbach, potentially center depth, but at least forward depth. Middle six guy, who knows, in the future. Important to watch. Red Savage and Carter Mazur have been lights out since they've been drafted. Carter Mazur has especially been on a tear and has proven that he's more and more worth that third round stock that was initially um, looked at with some shock and um, surprise even by us. And he's been fantastic. So those guys are important to watch. Emil Vero has been a a pick where Detroit took him and we said that's all ceiling and and potential and he's pretty raw. And he's been a fantastic defenseman. Like there's just so much to be excited about. And I hope beyond hope that this tournament goes off without a hitch because in terms of looking at the Red Wings future, a lot of it, a lot of it will be encapsulated and decided by what these players specifically do. And it's worth noting that two of the prospects there are playing two of the most important roles in the tournament. Like we know who the actual contenders are in this tournament. We know Canada, the U S Sweden, Russia, and Finland. Yeah. The Germans and Czechia has the opportunity to, you know, maybe surprise some, but I don't think anybody really views them as contenders. So you're only looking at five teams now in Canada and um, the Red Wings have Canada's starting goalie and Sweden's top defenseman. They are playing massive roles for top teams in this tournament. So that is going to be absolutely fascinating to watch, especially in a short tournament like this with Sebastian Kosa in particular. One bad game and he he loses that job. That's just the way this tournament goes. So if he can hold that starting job the entire tournament, that's a huge testament to how good he is. Because again, it's one thing to go and dummy a bunch of junior teams in the WHL, which is impressive, but now he's playing levels and levels above that so if he can keep up those you know 
gaudy 920 plus save percentages. That's remarkable. But he has to go out there and now prove that he can do it on the big stage because he played two um, showcase games uh, with U Sports and against U Sports. Shut out in one, got shelled in the other. Can't do that when the actual tournament starts. If the um, if the the rest of this team goes well in terms of like even those depth players hitting, and I, I say depth not as you know a derogatory term or anything. It's not that they're not worth focusing on, but those are guys where you're less likely to see the, the Raymond insider paths. They're probably going to move up through Grand Rapids. That's another thing that's not talked about a lot. Grand Rapids is going to get a big boon from this now wave of competitive and able Red Wings players, right? Like. Not that they've not had that or not that they've had uncompetitive teams, but it'll be good to see that kind of restock of guys where there's going to be more players able to come up from Grand Rapids who then are going to be playing in Detroit's bottom six or middle six. It's not going to be just Giovanni Smith or Chase Pearson or whoever fighting for those spots. Like That bottom six is likely going to be all guys like that. When we talk about you know the next Darren Helm, that's not a slight. The Red Wings actually would love the next Darren Helm because Darren Helm in his prime was, for very good reasons, one of the most popular players on the Red Wings. He was one of my favorite players on the Red Wings. You get one of that. You get another you know, Chris Draper player. You get another Kirk Maltby. You get another guy who can be effective and put some pucks in the net and keep possession and you know grind in the offensive zone and work for the space. You fill out your bottom six with those guys and they start and they move through Grand Rapids, your whole organization benefits from that. The whole organization. Gone are the days of signing whatever traveling bum you need just for a warm body so we can make 850 grand or whatever the minimum is. Like you actually, it's part of your plan. Well, the the key part about having a lot of guys who can fill that role, I don't even, nece- we don't even necessarily need them to be as good as, you know, prime Chris Draper or prime Darren Helm. There just has to be enough of them that when one of them says, give me Darren Helm money or I'm leaving, you can go, okay, bye-bye, and then replace them with the next option who's a lot cheaper. And then thus manage the cap properly and not run into the problems the Red Wings did where, oh, we can't afford to lose Darren Helm. If you're having the conversation as much as good as he was in his prime and as much as we love him, if you're having the conversation of we cannot afford to lose this guy, you have a bigger organizational problem. So if you have a fully stocked farm system and, you know, a fully stocked AHL team and a ton of guys battling for spots in the Red Wings bottom six, perfect. You don't ever have to overpay someone. You got the next guy there willing to prove himself for a lot cheaper. So it's also, it's also beneficial from an asset management standpoint. And, you know, if a guy like it's the cold reality of it and you don't like talking about prospects like this, but if a Carter Mazer or a Red Savage pops off one year in the AHL when their college career done is over and the Red Wings are in their contending window and a top-end player becomes available at the deadline, okay, we can afford to trade one of these guys as a key part of a huge trade to make a run now. And it's not going to um, you know, absolutely ruin the system for the next five years because he was one of like three good prospects you had. So... Having all that depth is important beyond just, oh, you need a lot of good players. No, you need that depth for asset management. You need that depth to be able to time your runs. And you need that depth for when you do want to go for a run and go all in. You're not screwing yourself for the next five years. Man, 
I'm just excited to watch the World Juniors. It's just it's going to give us so much more insight. And is it going to be the be all end all? No, but for the reasons we just talked about, like there's just so much that it's going to inform on on the Red Wings' future. Even more short term than anything, you'll know maybe a little bit more of what might happen next year. Or that could be ambitious. Maybe you just like watching World Junior Hockey. That's what I like to do. One of my favorite holiday tra- traditions, yeah. Um, <clears throat> NHL, first start of the week. We didn't talk about this. Dylan Larkin. He got it for giving that guy 20 bucks. I have to say, first of all, hilarious video. Dylan Larkin accidentally knocking over that guy's beer, going to the coaching staff, getting, um, I can't remember what member of the coaching staff it was, getting him to run 20 bucks over to the guy. Zuby. Yeah, Zuby. And um, replace his beer, which was nice. It was very nice of Larks to do. Very cool video. I love mic'd up. No matter, it doesn't matter if the player hams it up. It doesn't matter if they don't. It doesn't matter if they talk as much as Brad or talk as much as Evan. I love mic'd up. Um, it's just fun to see. Is it not a testament to the NHL that that is the only thing that I saw hockey related anywhere advertised or going through social media? Period. The NHL has like one good thing. And then it blows up of its own accord. And then they just latch onto that and only that. And you're like, hey, look, it's a great story. I love to see it. Love to see Larkin get recognition for both his play as first star of the week and for this mic'd up thing. I think it's really cool. But like the NHL can have a trillion stories like this a week and advertise themselves better. Think of how many non-hockey fans saw that video and thought, oh, that's that's hilarious. I love this. Who is this guy? What team does he play for? Does this happen often? What are other mic'd up videos? Does their team have a podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Are all their podcast hosts um, very tall and with great hairlines and not out of shape? Like that, those are the <laughs> those are the things people ask. But genuinely, like it is such a good opportunity, and it's just so indicative of the NHL's ability to recognize that, where they just grab that one thing and they go, "Well, well, that is the only chance to do this. We're going to advertise this to Kingdom Come, and there's going to be nothing else." It was the same thing with the Zegras play, like a mountain. A galaxy was made out of the Zegras play. And I thought it was a phenomenal play. I loved it. I hope they keep advertising it. But there is more than just the Zegras play. There is more than just Larks replacing that beer. Like the NHL is actually really interesting. I wish they would just do this more. I can't believe I turned it into a complaint. But nobody was talking about how Larkin has to give a guy 20 bucks to get a beer. <laughs> like, why is it not a $10 bill? Like, I the think fact that he needs to give a guy a $20 bill to get one beer is is un-american i think that's actually incredibly american are you kidding me that you have to pay twenty dollars or oh yeah you have to break a 20 for a beer well i think that's a beer like what well that's probably what a beer and nachos a beer and popcorn i'd say i don't know i don't know if we're being honest here though the guy kind of deserved it you don't put your beer on the edge of the boards everybody knows that's coming i saw a video rookie move I saw it was like a TikTok or a Snapchat of, uh, I think it was a TikTok video of Tyler Sagan going and intentionally yeah. jumping into the boards <laughs> and the people are pissed off and Sagan's laughing. And it's like, it's true. Hey, don't put your drinks on the dasher. That's on you. I would do that too if I was an NHL player. You're watching a sport where guys can skate upwards of 40 kilometers an hour and then they bang into each other. Those boards are going to shake at some point. Do not put your drinks on it. You wouldn't put your drink on the floor if you were sitting courtside. So why would you think putting it against the glass is any different? Oh, God. I just remember the video of the guy yakking at the Sacramento oh. game. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's a good uh, uh, an indicator as any to drop o- drop over jump over to overtime. Um, overtime on this episode of the Wind Wheel Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast if you want to help support the show and uh, earn Evan's love. It's actually the only way to do it. His parents had to sign up to be patrons of the show to get him to say Merry Christmas to them. So uh, you'll be more in his good graces than Brad and I are. Um, okay, we're going to take a few questions. Bill Nye, the thigh guy. Um, a question here says, after watching the Wings this season, I can't help but wonder if Blashill has been capable of coaching at this level. Last year, I was pissed. He got the extension, but now he's doing everything we wanted him to do. I can't be the only one confused by this. I think we've talked about this a few times this season. There's been a big question mark, no matter how much we or anyone else yelled about Blashill over his entire career with the Red Wings, which has been, he's not been equipped to really display what he can do as a coach. And I don't want to come out and say he's the greatest coach of all time, and I have no qualms with it. But yeah, this season, I think he's been really good. And he's done the things that I think are very, very important to the Detroit Red Wings. Is he without, you know, things that I would prefer or I think should be done differently? No, of course not. But that comes down to subjectivity. And at the end of the day, he's created a situation where Mo Sider has, is thriving. Lucas Raymond is thriving. Lorcan and Bertuzzi are producing. Alex Nedeljkovic has, is looking like a star. That's really all I care about. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to bite my tongue and eat crow and Blashill. I think he's looked really good this season. Once he learns how to handle third period leads, we're golden. Oh, that's, that's a cup winning coach right there. Like without a doubt. Uh, and do you have any holiday traditions? Yeah, the World Juniors for me. The World Juniors, and I'll usually pick a, a video game that gives me Christmas vibes. Um, I'm going to probably beat Miles Morales this year, and then Gran Turismo switches over to like holiday music and stuff, so I'll be playing a lot of that. I have none. Grinch. Evan? It's, I, I love Christmas Day, and I lo- like... I love opening the gifts with the kids in the morning and stuff like that. But in terms of what do I do personally or with yeah, nothing? Um, We usually watch Die Hard on Christmas morning. That's usually, Christmas we don't really, we don't have a lot of tradition traditions. Kind of just go with the flow. Um, C-Nods asked, is there a hockey player on the Red Wings, I presume, that's going to be next to get extended and si- and or signed? If so, how much for how long? Um, hot take? Nick Letty? All the key players have are either on their ELC or have some sort of extension in place now, even if it's not that long of one. The one that's immediately jumping to mind, Zadina. Zadina is the only other obvious one in my mind. Yeah, um, Troy- yeah. He'll he'll certainly be a bridge deal, probably in the three million neighborhood. I would guess. Mitchell Stevens and Troy Stetcher, obviously dealing with injury this year, but they're also due for contracts, and I think that is probably. I think Stevens gets brought back. I am actually of the mind that if Stetcher is healthy, he'll be traded. I wouldn't be surprised if he walks, though, if they let him walk. I don't know that the stars are going to align for a trade. Hard to say. Unless he learns to play the left side. (laughs) In which case, that'd be great. Um, Okay, let's jump into the next question here. 
Uh, AJ Voss says our resurgence really isn't that surprising considering the last time we made the playoffs in 15-16, we were described as a bad team being buoyed by two stars. In this season, we were able to get two stars back. That all said, who would win if the 15-16 Red Wings played this year's Red Wings, assuming everyone's healthy and that Mrazek and Ned are the starting goalies? Ooh. Controversial take. I'll say this one. I think this year's too. I think the energy and the speed and the, the raw talent that you have, maybe this year's takes it. I like the goaltending better because Mrazic, because I'm just remembering that 2016 playoff series against Tampa. As much as we love Pav, he was not Pav that series. I, I remember that very clearly. Zetterberg was still playing well. So that would be this team's biggest obstacle would be Hank. Gus and, and Tatar were, were humming. They would have kept it interesting. Um, but that team didn't have. The guy on defense, because again, Croner was on the downslope at that point. I think it, it's really, really close. But yeah, I, I think the speed of the current team, especially the speed of the top players on the current team would, would be the difference. Even though I think uh, the depth of this team would once again get exposed. <laughs> the kids shrieking in the background. <laughs> Which They're actually playing. Those are happy screams. <laughs> it's demonic. Um, it's Jake- Mika. What do you expect? Yeah, that's fair. Jake Kiefer says, should Mo and Raymond be sent to the AHL if the Wings are looking at an extended break without hockey? Kind of like a keep your legs moving type of assignment. I understand the logic there. I'm going to disagree and say no. I think it should be give them the rest in my mind. They've both played a lot of hockey for many teams over the last year and a half. Uh, an extra breather would not hurt them. Um, Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth says, which prospect do you think is most likely to be traded for a center and who out of the top prospects would you be the most fine to lose? Anyone who's not Edvinson or Kosa at this point, right? Like, Yeah, I, I think... You're not getting a good center without giving up a good prospect, so we'd have to give up a good prospect, and I'd probably be upset to lose him. The one that immediately jumps to mind for me is probably Bergeron, if you're talking for a like a center of any substance. Um and probably most alright losing him as well, just because winger isn't an issue for the Red Wings. Uh I could see a lot of guys looking at a bunch of the defense left defensemen on the Red Wings as well. Um, you know, McIsaac, Sabrango, Vero, Wallander, take your pick. Teams always need defense. So those guys could be attractive to a lot of teams. And because the Red Wings have a lot of them, it plays in their favor as well. So probably any of them. All right. Uh, and last one here before we, we wrap up this episode and, and go on our holiday break. We'll record the Patreon exclusive overtime after, of course. Um, so is from Zadina's World, who says, Hey, gents, I have a big ask of you if you'll indulge me. We have a fantastic community here, and the charity efforts everyone has put together have been incredible, and I was hoping I could turn your attention to the Children's Tumor Foundation. My younger cousin recently succumbed to, the complica- to complications from NF1, a condition that CTF is working towards understanding and finding better treatments for. It would mean the world to 
to me to see some love sent their way. So hopefully nobody else has to experience the agony most NF patients will live through or suffer uh, more sudden losses. Love you boys. Always bring a smile to my face. Keep up the good work. Um, it's the least we can do to mention it on the pod. So um, if you have it in you, check out the Children's Tumor Foundation. And thank you so much, Zadina's World, for passing along that very important message. Okay, folks, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast and jump on to our holiday break. Uh, you'll hear us back on the airwaves uh, probably December 29th is what we're looking at. Um, in the meantime, we hope everyone has a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, uh, whatever and however you celebrate. We hope it's safe and warm and that you enjoy it either with your family and friends or uh, alone, whatever you like to do. Just have a good time, recharge, reset. Um and we really, really appreciate all of you and your your well wishes and your support over this this year. So um, we'll be back with you before the New Year's. I won't do all the New Year's happy stuff. And um, yeah, keep an eye out for um, Evan coming through your chimney. Nah, Evan's more of a Grinch. It'd be Brad. It'd be Santa. Are you ever going to wear the Santa costume for the kids, Brad? No. No. Are they? How are Wait, they? Didn't the Grinch in? go through the chimney too? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, he did, didn't he? That was the whole thing. That was a major tenet of the movie. I'm stupid. Do the kids still believe in Santa, Brad? They're five and two. <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. Mika's like has a university level education at this point. <laughs> Ryan's mom had already got him writing the uh, MCAT pretests by five. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. You're going to make my COVID flare up. He's not wrong. Oh, boy. Uh, we're going to thank all of our name-level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels, on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of the Number 69 Crying Ryan, Hannah's Banana Slam, Jamathong, Taylor Tagel, Matthew M. Rice, Brandon M., Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam al Qasem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Matt McKay, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stacey Lynn, Zach Spring, Zarly Zalapsky, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam I Wish I Could Finish Like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landeskog, Ben Barron, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Eric Sinkowski, Evans Tub Bubble, <laughs> Evans Bingo Card, James Laporte, Jeffrey Dunst, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Logan Stahl, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Max $1 million, Pavel Businevich, Revy DeLuca, Terry Actual, Trevor Pepevar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much. Have a wonderful holiday break. We'll see you on the other side. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.